Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad you've joined us. I'm your host, Jonathan Darty. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Today, my guest is John Fort, the director of training at Be Broken and also a family care specialist. John brings a background in education and addiction recovery that gives him a unique perspective on dealing with sensitive issues in today's modern family. He is also an experienced parent who can understand firsthand the challenges and difficulties of raising kids in a sex-saturated culture. In our discussion, we highlight the importance of parents being transparent with their kids about their history of sexual brokenness and leveraging these conversations to help their kids navigate their own struggles with sexual topics and questions. This conversation deals with the fears that both parent and child likely have, how emotions connect to sexuality, and some practical applications to help families be more open about the ongoing journey from brokenness to wholeness in Christ. For help having these conversations, get John's book entitled Honest Talk, A New Perspective on Talking to Your Kids About Sex. It's available wherever books are sold. For additional resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with John Fort. Hey there, John Fort. Well, welcome back to the program. It's good to be here. Yeah, so John, we've had you on uh, multiple times um, in different capacities, but it seems like in recent years, it's mainly been to try to address parenting issues. Um, you yeah. know, we've, we've, we've got a lot of issues that, that parents bring up. And today, what I'd love for us to talk about is actually a concept that you brought to us, which is, hey, what does it look like for, or why is it important that parents be relatively transparent with their own histories and their own stories of brokenness with their kids, and that that's actually a good thing when I think many parents, and I've, I fell into this category before I became a parent, I thought, man, when I'm a parent... I'm never going to share anything of my brokenness in my history because I'm thinking that's the worst possible thing that can happen. So can you kind of set up this conversation for us and maybe help parents start to think about even their own histories in a different way as they relate to their kids? Yeah, <clears throat> it, it is true that um, just to verify it a couple of years ago, we did a survey of parents to see what they're afraid of. Like, why do they, why do they not want to talk to their kids about sex? And one of the reasons, just talking about anything sexual at all, that parents are afraid to even start those conversations is they're afraid somehow in that conversation, something about their past will be uncovered and their kids will learn something about their past. Um, and so we kind of wanted to press in, like, why are you afraid of that? Which it's, it's obvious, but we want to make sure we understand. And basically is the parents are are thinking if my kid knows that I made these mistakes with my sexuality, then either it's going to give them permission to do the same thing, or though more importantly, more commonly, it's they're going to lose respect for me. And so we're afraid that our kids knowing our story is going to hurt our relationship with them, that they're going to kind of look down on us and that kind of thing. But that's not yeah. true at all. Well, and, and I think it's important just to just to pause for a moment. And, you know, one of the things that is so critical, we, we talk about this in like let's marriage restoration, you know, when when a couple has had brokenness and they're trying to kind of learn each other. And especially when the 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 spouse, let's say the husband that was the one that betrayed and then he's trying to understand and learn 
his wife as she's going through this healing process, one of the key things that we teach in that scenario is you have you have to learn to validate emotions. Like the the reality that whether I understand these emotions or not, they're real. And so I think it's important for us to validate the reality of the emotions that parents feel about fear and going, man, I, I, I'm really terrified of my kids ever finding out about the things I did in my past. And maybe there's multiple reasons for that. Some of that may be, like you said, the respect issue, right? Um, mm-hmm. Some of it might be because maybe the parents have been trying to present themselves to their kids as something they aren't. <laughs> you know, maybe they've been trying to present themselves as I do have it all figured out and I have all the answers. And if it came out that good grief, dad did that or mom did that, then their maybe their house of cards that they've built would, would get blown away. So um, how do we help parents one to be able to just say, okay, it's real to have those fears, but why are they, maybe unsubstantiated in in reality in terms of what that means to the relationship with their children. Well, I like to use the analogy. I use the word leverage on purpose, like a lever. If you're trying to pry something loose, you use a crowbar or something and you wedge it in there and that, that, that extra leverage, the extra force helps cause something to happen, move something you're trying to move or un- unstick something. Well, our stories, that emotional part of our stories is the leverage. See, the parents are not the only ones who are afraid. The kids are afraid. And the kids are having sexual feelings themselves. And they may be thinking, well, if mom and dad present themselves as having everything together, they certainly never had feelings like this. So there must be something wrong with me, right? Hmm. Or um, let's just give an example. Um, All kids are going to be exposed to pornography. That's just today. That's just inevitable, right? It's almost never the kid's fault. I think, Jonathan, this is a different topic. Both you and I were exposed to pornography because someone showed it. We didn't have any idea what was about to happen, right? But, oh, absolutely, yeah. So our kids are going to see pornography probably because someone will show them to them or something like that. And when they do, boys and girls will get feelings inside, ex- excited feelings inside, and they're thinking, I know I'm not supposed to look at this, but I feel like I want to look at this I don't want to talk about that. There must be mom and dad would certainly never understand that. Right. And Mm -hmm. so this is what I'm saying. We have our fears as parents, but our kids have their fears and the fears that kids have are my parents won't understand how I feel, you know, and that I'll get in trouble for even the questions that I want to ask. Okay. And so parents sharing our story first is that leverage to open that door to where they're saying, Oh, Maybe mom and dad do understand how I feel, right? Maybe yeah, I'm so not messed up. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, I don't want to jump too quickly to all the, the practical application about this, but some of the things that are popping into my head here are, okay, you know, when do you start having these kinds of conversations about your own history? What do you share? What does that look like? What's the difference in terms of what you may share with your five-year-old child versus your 10 or 15-year-old child. Can we start unpacking a little bit of that? Because I'm sure there are parents out there that they've got younger children. There are parents out there that have uh, maybe teenagers. Maybe there's parents, you know what, there's things, they've got, they've got 20 and 30-year-old kids that have never known anything about their story. Mm-hmm. How would you help them to begin to, like, where's the starting place maybe for them to take that step to letting their kids know more about their histories? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think the, the starting place is, first of all, let, is the different kinds of conversations, the different experience. So there's experience with pornography, like we've said. Um, there may be experience with masturbation, for example. That's another topic. There may be experience with their feelings, just feeling that curiosity and interest in, in sexuality. Those, those are three different kinds of topics, right? So you might think if you look at your kid, whatever age they're at, and thinking, what age did I first start experiencing these different things, right? And um, so my kid, at least by that time, needs to have that conversation started. Now, if they're 20s, we need to have all those conversations and you just kind of have to figure out which one you want to start with. And that does really happen. Multiple times parents start working with their own past and then they have a, a kid in their 20s or even 30s and they've never talked with them about that. Um, and that can really open the door to deeper conversations with, with them. But if their kid is five, um, you know, you're not necessarily going to want to talk about that kind of thing necessarily. But um, when they get a little bit older, well, here's, here's one thing is the things that we experience as kids, kids today experience the same things much younger. Mm -hmm. And so let's, so I was exposed to pornography at nine years old. I think Jonathan, you were 12, right? So yeah. today, um, if, if it was today, my kids are grown now, but if it was today, I would probably want to have that conversation by eight because they're, ha they're going to be, it's going to, it's likely to happen before it happened to me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and this keeps getting, getting younger. Now you might talk to an eight year old different. You might not say pornography. You might say, you know, naked pictures of people. And you might talk about like when you see a picture and it makes you feel kind of funny inside, you know, if you use their language, unless I, well, I want to talk about it. that happened to me. So you don't have to say the age that happened with the younger they are. You just say, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. somebody showed me some pictures and I knew they were pictures I shouldn't be looking at. And it made me feel kind of funny inside. And, and I didn't know how, to, I didn't know what, I didn't tell my parents because I was afraid and I want, but I want us to be able to talk about that. You see, that's a different kind of a conversation when a kid's 10 or nine, even you can have that conversation again. And then you start talking, you may use the word pornography and you may, you know, that kind of thing. So you, you're going to have to revisit these conversations often. Now you and said then, it, then you said this, go ahead. Once a kid has actually been with a pornography, once they've actually experienced what you're talking about themselves, then you have, you know, then you have a deeper conversation at that level. That makes sense. Yeah. You've used a word several times that I think, you know, you're so familiar with it that I think a lot of times you can just fly right by it. But uh, you've used the word feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, let's just talk honestly about that. That's maybe part of the fear that parents have is they never actually dealt with those feelings that they had when they looked at pornography, maybe they got entangled in a porn addiction, or maybe they, you know, had promiscuity as part of their history. And, and maybe there's still some unresolved wounds or addictions or some of those kind of things. Mm -hmm. How do you help parents navigate? What does it look like if you have unresolved issues related to your sexual history? And then how do you engage your children in those topics when there's unresolved Past pain right. or past so, so one of the one of the things that that uh, counselors have uh, helped me understand is we shouldn't be talking about our story in areas that we've done no work in. Mm. Okay, so let's say that 
early sexual experiences or sexual abuse happened to us. If we haven't seen a therapist about that and talked about that with some, we're not in a good, healthy position to talk to our children about if someone tries to touch you, that kind of thing, because we have so much emotional baggage around that, that we're going to not react well. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll panic. Um, the reason that we need to be work, we don't have to be completely done, but we need to be start working. So that, that was sexual experiences and abuse. If it was pornography, we need to have developed some kind of accountability, perhaps counseling, maybe a support group or whatever. We need to be engaging in our own help. We just need to start it. We don't have to finish it, but just start it before we start talking to our kids. Because otherwise, to say a parent who is still looking at pornography all the time, talking about their kid like, you know, you're probably going to see this and trying to talk about it. Just, the parent has nothing to offer the kid because they're, they, don't, they don't have any idea how to stop themselves. Um, but if the parent has begun working on that and they've learned a few things, they're not perfect yet, but they've learned a few things, they have a few things to tell their kid. And they're, by example, showing their kid, hey, we don't keep this stuff secret. Mm -hmm. We find people to help us with it. You see what I'm saying? And so that, that's, that's part of this is that um, it doesn't help a kid. Uh, somebody put it this way to me. Um, we're not, we don't want to join our children in their chaos. We want to invite them into our calm. And so mm -hmm. for us to be calm, we have to be working on our own emotional issues. Sexuality is, has tons of feelings and emotions and baggage caught up in it. And um, you never know when you might need to go revisit something that you've been through and talk with people about it, whether it's a therapist or, or friends who maybe been through the same thing, whatever. Um, so well, let's we don't talk turn, about... You don't want to turn your kid into your accountability partner or your therapist. Absolutely, yeah. Let's talk about the 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 tendency to have perfectionistic ideas around dealing with the topic of sexuality as a parent to your child and why why number 1 that is that's unrealistic and number 2 it's actually detrimental because a little bit of what I'm hearing you say is some parents maybe because they've either got issues they've never dealt with in their past or maybe they're in process of dealing with a porn addiction or maybe some wounds from their past that then they feel like until I have this neatly tied up in a bow and I've got it all figured out, I can't talk to my kids at all about this. Can you address the reality that there's there's a, a sense that both parent and child are on an in-process journey and they may be at different stages, but why is it important for parents to, like you said, invite their child into that process wherever they are in their stage and, and use their story as a way to do that? Well, let me use anger as an example. Let's take, let's put sexuality aside. We know that little tiny kids don't handle anger very well. They roll on the floor and throw tantrums. But we know that's just a process they're working through, right? When they reach adolescence, their hormones make their, um, and changes in their limbic system make their emotions even stronger, as strong as an adult. Okay, now they may not roll on the floor and yell, but and they may actually clam up and get really quiet, but the anger inside of them is actually higher than it is for the five-year-old rolling on the floor. Okay, and so, the, and they don't know what to do with that. And so, a teenager might have some kind of really rude remark they say to their parent, you know, just anger outbursts that look different. And, and we understand that because they're going through 
um, changes in puberty and brain changes and stuff like that, that they don't really have the capacity to respond very well to anger yet. They're working on it. But in fact, even us as adults still occasionally don't respond well to anger. All right. It's a process. Okay. Our sexuality is not any different than this. All right. So little kids will do things with their sexuality. We look at it and say, that's not what that's for. Right. But they're a little kid. They don't know any better. Right. And then, um, adolescents get all these sexual feelings that are really strong and they don't know what to do with them well. And they're not going to manage that perfectly for a while. They're going to have, they're going to make lots of mistakes and they're getting better at it. But even as an adult, we still occasionally respond in a poor way to sexual situations, right? And so we're all in a process. Let's quit pretending that we're not, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So if our kid looks at us, if we could be perfect and make no mistakes with our sexuality, let's just say, um, our kids would look at that and say, well, I'll never be that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But fortunately for them, we make lots of mistakes. And so it's also important for our kids to see us make mistakes with our sexuality sometimes and apologize for that and see the process of us. And then we're leading by example, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Talk about how actually it is our failures in mm -hmm. our past that actually qualify us to be the right parent for our, ch our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Parent kids want, a parent who understands how they feel, who've been through what they're going through, right? Um, if a parent, I tell parents this, if you've never made a mistake with your sexuality in your life, you've never responded to sexual feelings or sexual situations without being perfect, you are the wrong person to help your kid because your kid doesn't need a perfect person. They need a person that understands them who are imperfect, right? And so, and because we've been through that, we can help them into calming. We're inviting them in to say, hey, I went through that too. I got through it. Let's talk about it. Just, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so, yeah, it, it's, in fact, sometimes I meet parents who think, well, I've never, I've never had any issues with that. They have. They're just not wanting to admit it to themselves. But, but the thing is, is those are the kind of parents that this is, that would, I am nervous about. Uh, working with their kids because they're presenting this image to their kids like, well, I never did anything. I never responded to sexuality wrong ever. What's wrong with you? You know, that, that distances a kid from their parents. That makes them feel like mom doesn't understand or dad just totally can't relate to me. Then the fear the kid has that my parents don't understand me becomes real. And we do not want that to happen. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that um, we may not have uh, identical struggles or circumstances right. to our children, but categorically we can make a connection. Yes. So maybe for instance, you know, you've got a, you've got a daughter today that is facing things in middle school that situationally they are new in terms of, right. Hey, there wasn't cell phones or there weren't these types of devices and other kinds of things, uh, that were part of maybe your experience as a, as a mom when you were in school, but it doesn't mean that the, the, the feelings of wanting to belong or the feelings of body shame or any number of other things aren't, aren't parallel. In other words, it's like what your daughter may be feeling, what she may be experiencing, even though the situation is different, that mom could still identify with her says, Hey, I was 13 once too. And I, and I know it, it 
is that part of what you're saying is it doesn't have to be a one-to-one correlation right. between the the behavior or even the circumstance, but mm-hmm. at a deeper level, there can be a connection of identification. Yeah. So let me give you two examples like that. Today in middle school, not to terrify parents, it's pretty common for kids to send naked pictures to each other. And so today in middle school, a girl could have boys sending naked pictures of themselves to her. And she's like, I don't, I don't want this. What are you doing? Right. Okay. Well, that didn't happen to us because we didn't have cell phones like that. But girls did experience boys saying sexual things to them and comments and that kind of stuff. Um, when I was in middle school, they tried to snap girls' bras and things like that. And so that's kind of the that's the equivalent you're talking about. So there's still there, those things. It just it looks different, but what's happening and the feelings are the same. Okay. And so that's one example. Another example is it's true that not everybody growing up had any interest really in pornography. My wife talks about it. she's like, yeah, I just like I know some girls. I just didn't want to look at that stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, but. Maybe they would watch movies that have really steamy scenes and they wanted to see that, or they would read books with kind of erotic stories in it. It's all the same thing. You see what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. so we can find something that has a parallel there, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. So I I can imagine parents listening and they're, they're wanting to get ideas for how to do this, but at the same time we need to recognize that if if these types of conversations have not been happening in the home, you can't just expect to flip a switch and with great ease and confidence be able to just have a seamless transition into these kind of conversations. On in two things I'd love for you to do. One is um, give maybe some some help for parents to gain the courage that's necessary to step into an unknown realm. This is going to be unfamiliar. It's going to be awkward. They're going to fumble around a lot. But secondly, can you also warn them of any pitfalls to watch out for? In other words, things that would not be a good idea to do in in, in the sense of connecting your story with your child in order to help them grow in integrity. Okay, that's a lot of stuff. Um, the, the, the first thing is, let's to, to make it easier, um, two things I would say to make it easy. First of all, start talk, if you haven't already, start talking with your kids about feelings. Because feelings are personal, but they're not like as personal as sexuality. And so that's the training ground for both you as the parent and the kid to start talking about personal things that's still less threatening. And so it's kind of a way of getting used to being in the shallow end before you get in water over your head kind of deal. And there's lots of tools we can share with parents about help them with that process. Second, as a parent, while you're doing this, working with your about feelings with your kids, talking about feelings, um, we need to get used to talking about our story. Because if we try to tell our story and the kids can tell we're panicking and freaking out, that's not helping. So talk with your spouse. Like, here's the funny thing is a lot of spouses have never talked about like, when did you first see porn? How did that happen? You know, or... If, if, if you're single or something, then talk with another adult. Have you ever told anybody how you were first exposed to porn? Or have you ever told anybody about the first time something said somebody said something hurtful to you about your body or your sexuality? It's like, those aren't, we're not supposed to be secret. We all go through stuff like that. And so practice getting used to talking about that stuff 
And then as it, 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 with the person you're talking with, you need to affirm each other and say, you know, that, that must have been really hard or, or, you know, I, that I experienced the same kind of thing that kind of helps us calm down enough that we can maybe do that with our kids. Now you were talking about things to avoid, um, details. So we, we, again, so two, two things, first of all, yeah, don't go into graphic detail. Don't paint a picture in their head. And some of us have experienced really traumatic things. Like my history in Included sexual abuse that started when I was five years old, um, and there's and I don't need to tell my kids that they know about that now. They're adults, but I didn't need to tell them about stuff, um, especially details about that. That if I am trying, if if I'm no, don't think that's going to have happen. We do talk about like if somebody touches you or wants to do whatever, then you. But you want to tell us. But what I'm saying is, is like some people have gone through really. Uh, I've talked to guys who like at five, six years old, somebody showed them pornography and they started using pornography at that age or, you know, all this kind of stuff like this is that, that some stories that we have with parents are pretty extreme and we don't want, and so that doesn't mean we need to tell our kids about that when they're five, because we're making sure that doesn't happen to them. Does that make sense? So, mm -hmm. uh, no details. And also if you have an extreme story, that doesn't mean your kid's going to, and you may talk about parts of those, but. Um, I guess what I'm saying is a minute ago, I said, like, I was exposed to porn at nine, so I want to talk to my kid at eight. Well, but I was sexually abused at five, but I'm not going to talk, and I'm not going to talk about the things that happened to me when my kids are five, because I'm trying to make sure that doesn't happen to them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's too much detail. Um, those kinds of things. Um, and then no secret from your spouse. So if you're married, it doesn't mean, well, let's say you're talking with your kid and they're talking about something that happened to them, and you remember a story that was similar that happened to you, but you haven't told that story to your spouse. That doesn't mean you need to say, hang on a minute, son or daughter, and go run and talk to your wife <laughs> before you come. No, it just means I'm going to tell you a story I, ha I haven't told my, my spouse yet, but I, I don't care if they know. The idea is you don't ever want to put your kid in a situation where they feel like they have to keep a secret from one parent to the uh, between, mm -hmm. you know, one parent's secret from the other. You know, that's not okay to do that. Um, so those are well, some things um, that kind of... Also, how ahead, important is it How important is it to um, really uh, guard against uh, shame language around sexuality? Um, and also, how do you... What would you say about trying to have also a balance between statements in terms of you sharing aspects of your story with questions to invite your child into more dialogue about their own story. Anytime our kids are exposed to something about sex, they're going to have new questions. Um, so for example, if you find out your kid was exposed to pornography, whether they looked at it or someone showed it to them, they're going to have new questions they didn't have before. So whatever you talk about, you end with, do you have any questions for me now? Okay, so if I tell a part of my story and we're, we, that starts a conversation, we still want to end with, do you have any questions for me? Because we want, to, we want them to, we want them to, whenever any new information comes in about sexuality, that's going to cause kids to maybe have some questions. And we don't want to leave them with those questions because they might go try to find the answer somewhere that we don't want them to find it, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's what you're talk talking about, but that's, that, that is something we want to be careful to, to, to make sure we do. 
Yeah, and then also the uh, talk a little bit about the shame issue because already I think there can be a lot of shame around not only the uh, maybe what the kids are experiencing in terms of the confusion and the chaos of of figuring out what it means to be a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, but then also the parents in terms of whatever their history of brokenness is, there could there can likely be a lot of shame wrapped up in their sexual brokenness. How do you um, help? On the one hand, be honest about the things that you maybe carry shame over, but at the same time, don't let shame rule in in terms of mm-hmm. somehow making a child believe that somehow there is a sense of shame over their body or a shame over the feelings that they're having and things like that. Yeah, it's real difficult when, when we get focused on rules-based sexuality like you don't do these things that's what sexuality is about that's just going to lead to shame because um we all make mistakes and, and not just that but we're also there's also shame about is my body normal you know am i am i am is this you know whether boys or girls and and they see people on tv and like i don't look like that and and so there's you know so there, there's there's so many elements of shame that you got to deal with so we want to keep affirming our kids all the time um, like if you have a young kid and they're getting to the age where it's not okay for them to be naked in front of everybody, you know, and so you have friends over and your kid comes running out without any clothes on. And, and so you're realizing they're still at the age learning. It's like, hey, this is, this is, we have people over. This is not what we do this. So you need to respond to that without shaming them. Right. Because you don't want to learn that like my body is a bad thing. Right. So we need to respond to that in a way that is loving and caring and not getting mad at them, if that makes sense. Even though we may feel embarrassed, our, our guests probably understand that this is just, they're at that age where they don't quite get this yet, you know. And so um, those, those kinds of things, we want to make sure that we're not, we're not doing that. Um, but you also mentioned the whole thing of shame of parents. And I already have said we can't make our kids our therapist or our accountability partner. So if we've got stuff that comes up, and this happens throughout our life, Things will come up that we've experienced and we haven't thought about in decades and it starts to create shame in us. Well, we need to find a place to talk about that. That's outside of our family. We can talk to our spouse about it. If the kid is old enough and it's appropriate, we can talk a little bit about it to our kid too, you know, just being honest about things. But we're going to need to find someone to unpack that with and process that with. And that can happen over and over again through our life. It's not like you do it in your 20s and you're done. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so right. over and over again, and, and that can look lots of different ways. And maybe that's a topic for something else. But when we have something that starts building up in ourselves as parents, is causing a shame, we need to deal with it, right? Otherwise we become, what's gonna happen is our kid will do something that triggers this shame and fear, and we're gonna react in a negative way that shames them, and now we're causing damage instead of instead of helping them. Well, John, we I know we've probably just barely scratched the surface, surface, but we're out of time, and I'd love for you to just share any final thoughts with the parents out there, and also let them know where they can get some more resources that could help them with these kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about emotions. We've talked about sharing your story. Um, and parents today are very, very busy. And families, are, they don't have time. One thing we've been hearing from parents is like, don't just give me a book to read that I have to read the book and figure out how to 
to get this to my kids. So there's some new things out that can be helpful. Um, there's a new course that will be uh, starting uh, next month here um, on emotional resilience. So you can find it at Pure Life Academy under family. And there's a family thing, emotional resilience. And that is to lead through the conversations about feelings. And has all it's just like very short, like five minutes or less video to watch with your kids. And then here now talk about this. And so it just helps you. And then as far as the unpacking our stories about sexuality and unpacking all that kind of stuff, there's a course called A Family Game Plan for Responding to Porn Use. And that actually should, any kid who's reached puberty, that's a great one to go through with, the, you go through it with them. And it helps all these conversations we've been having, it basically walks you through having those conversations. So those are two things that are made for the modern busy family that have five minutes a day or less to work on something, right? And so... Um, those are some things. Again, that's in purelifeacademy.org under the family section. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely link to all of that in our in our show notes. But, uh, John, thanks for being back with us again and for just sharing what you've been learning over many, many years of not only uh, doing this professionally, but you're a, you're a veteran parent. Uh, so thanks for sharing with us. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, we'll put all of those links and everything in our show notes to help you just take next steps with your kids as you learn to share your story in a way that helps them um, connect better with you and be able to navigate their own story of sexuality with integrity. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio program. Have a great week. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.